0: Welcome to Everybody Hates Me, Let's Talk About Stigma, a podcast hosted by Dr. Carmen Logie. She's a Canada Research Chair in Global Health Equity and Social Justice with Marginalized Populations, and an Associate Professor at the University of Toronto's Factor in Wintosh Faculty of Social Work. Every week, the show features amazing speakers from around the world talking about stigma from research, lived experiences, and activism perspectives. Why should we care about stigma? What can we do about it? Thank you for tuning in. Let's start the show.
1: Listeners, today I am so excited and thrilled to introduce our guest, Gareth Henry. He is the executive director of the Black Coalition for AIDS Prevention, Black CAP, located in Toronto. He has been a leader in nonprofit and HIV sectors for two decades. This includes working at the Jamaica Forum for Lesbian, All Sexuals, and Gays, or JFLAG. In Toronto at the 519 Church Street Community Health Center, and most recently, the Toronto People with AIDS Foundation. He has also served as board chair at Africans in Partnership Against AIDS. I am so pleased to be meeting you today. Thank you so much for coming on.
2: My pleasure. This is my pleasure.
1: I have a question. If we were in an elevator together, (laughs) imagine there's no COVID, so we're not...
2: Uh, not no social distancing.
1: <laughs> not really social distancing. How do you describe what you love to do around your work to someone in an elevator?
2: Ah, what I love to do about uh, in terms my work is that you know I I started my career in in this field in HIV and LGBT activism when I was 20 years old, and um, it was just, you know it was by accident by wanting to volunteer no not to really volunteer wanted to meet some other gay men. And uh, feeling not alone, and ended up at this place called Jamaica A Support for Life, and I was overwhelmed with all that was happening there. And um, yeah, and so since that time till today's date, I, I live and I do my work in service to community, always making sure, wanting to see others um, being well and at a state, at a place or a state of happiness in their lives. And so, you know, so that's my driving force to be able to see you know people doing well and, and all my jobs since then i've gotten jobs and uh, job offers in different in different fields and uh, my course of studies um you know at one point i wanted to become an, a, a, an accountant and i started my my studies in that field and areas and i spent uh, two and a half years uh, in college studying business administration with a major in accounting and i realized i know i would not necessarily be engaging with people in a way that i would want to and then i wanted to be a lawyer i don't want to be a historian. <laughs> And and, and, and before, you know, with the exception of my pursuing a law degree, I went on and started to pursue my my bachelor's in science in in history and archaeology and completed Mm. two and a half, two full semesters uh, in university and also go on to my final year. And then I bumped into social work. never thought of it.
1: Are you in social work?
2: Yeah, Yeah, social work
1: social work okay
2: keep going oh. <laughs> yeah. and what i was like it? yeah but i was like okay what is this done uh, people, oh you know it's you know why would you do social work you know it's like these are jobs and you know, it's uh, helping people and people with problems da, 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 da. and you know you will not get rich and you will not be making a lot of money and i was but then i started this study i was like damn i like this and i and it was my first degree that i completed I have a degree in social work at the University of the West Indies, and then I got excited, and then I said, oh, I want to do more, and then I did a master's in communication for social and behavior change to help to complement, the work, complement my work. And I've been passionate about it, you know, I do this work with my heart, because again, I connect with people, and I connect with the issues, and I have and the lived experience. So in HIV, you know, I'm living HIV for the past no. Oh Christ, or something I'm forgetting or seventeen, 17 years. <laughs> yeah, so 17, yeah, 2013. 17 years, yeah. Uh, April of 2021 is gonna be 18 years. And and so, you know, a young man growing up in poverty, someone who you know identified as a gay man. So all the issues in terms of that that people are encountering and dealing with are the same issues that impact my personal life. And so getting a training and doing this work, um, it's very meaningful because it's personal you know mm-hmm. the, the 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 violence that gay men experience in jamaica the same violence that i experienced you know um you know the, the the social isolation as a family all that kind of stuff the stigma that you experience being hiv positive not wanting to access health care not wanting anyone to know feeling feeling othered when people look at you differently because they found out or hear that you you're hiv positive you know it's it's that's what keeps me going, trying to create a world that is more inclusive, a space where, um, where as a black gay man now living in Toronto, HIV positive, and an immigrant, that that is important to 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 kind of take up space and to be a part of this work to create the change, uh, and to also challenge stigma. So why I do this work because I believe I'm in service to my community, and it makes me it makes me happy and. And you know, and also, you know, I'm also involved with an organization that's called Rainbow Railroad, and that's an organization that helps persecuted LGBTQ individuals around the world to, to flee state sponsored violence and persecution and to seek refuge in different countries. And you know, I came to Canada um, as a refugee, and so again I seek an opportunity to help people who have been experiencing violence because of this sexual orientation and gender identity to live free as I am living, right? And not that we don't experience those things here in Canada. It's not a perfect world. Mm -hmm. But at minimum, you know, you know there you can breathe. You don't have to to walk through the streets and wondering if you're going to be chopped and killed, that kind of stuff. Um, And so all my work and all that I do is surrounded around people and helping others to have a good balanced life and a good experience and one that is similar to mine which is i'm free from violence and can be my authentic self and even ones that are better than how than my own experience you know so yeah but you know the elevator i've been going to about the 60th floor
1: (laughs) (laughs) you know if i was in an elevator with you gareth i would just stay going up and down i wouldn't mind how far i was traveling i did not you know, I can't believe I've not met you in person, but <laughs> I feel very much like I want to, and I'm going to soon.
0: Yeah, really good.
1: I, <laughs> we're both in social work, and also I have a close connection with Jamaica Aid Support for Life. I'm working with them for seven years, so a lot of the stories you shared are, you know, stories that are still happening. So oh. that that they're using the research to advocate for change. And yeah, also been asked to use the research. I've been asked several times for asylum cases in the U.S. So Mm -hmm. doing another one right now uh, for a trans woman. So yeah, I'm so impressed by your work and your passion. I have a second question for the listeners to get to know you. I'm gonna show up (laughs) at your house in Toronto with my time machine. My time machine has space for physically distancing. You mentioned some times where you got, I think, introduced or excited about doing this work. So where exactly would you take me in the time machine to where you thought, I'm gonna dedicate my life to, to challenging stigma and promoting health and opportunities for people? Would we would we go back to Jamaica in this time machine? I'm hoping you say yes because it's cold no, out. But
0: absolutely,
2: yeah. <laughs>
1: where would we go and We would really, really
2: go uh, to Jamaica um, the 3rd of April, 2, 3rd of April 2003. <laughs> you know, I started this work and as a gay guy, you know, I've been around Jamaica support for life and I've worked with people who, you know with positive. politics at that time I wasn't and um I've, you know at that time back in uh, you know ja- um, to support for Life had a hospice and uh, where you know people who we all know what a, what a hospice is and so you know it I was happy to be doing this work as a volunteer and being engaged and supporting people who live with HIV and sometimes I listen to their stories and I, and I sit with them and and they cry and they, they you know people are just feeling this other that no one cares and that kind of thing. and i was happy that i was one of the persons who was there who had no judgment no stigma it was suicide i see them as a person and i was i was okay i was fine because i didn't see them as people living with hiv to treat them differently I, so I don't see them as persons and they were fun it was great they were children you know and it was just a beautiful experience for me and when yeah, and, then, and then, of course, the awareness about HIV and that kind of stuff, and um, things happen. I always go get my HIV test because there's a gay guy you know, involved and things happening, that kind of stuff. And I got tested in November of 2002, and I got a negative results. I was like, yes, as usual, you, you know, that kind of stuff. And then that December, something happened. And, um, you, know, you know, intoxicated, that kind of stuff. I had a <clears> partner at that point in time, you know, and we're still very, close, uh, still very close friends until today's day, he was positive. But because of how we do our work, and I work with the agency, I knew he was positive. He didn't disclose to me that he was positive. So I can't have that conversation with him. I get around confidentiality, that kind of stuff. And it was fine and OK for me. And he, he presented as a guy who was negative. And that's why he said he's HIV negative. I said, OK, the information that I already know, I know. But I can't, you know, that's only to hinder me from, because I understand, uh, in that moment I understood that he could not really tell me and feel comfortable telling me that Garrett, I'm HIV positive, because he was scared that I would walk away and not, you know, not wanting to be with him because he has AIDS. And we went together, and, and in December, the December party were all drunk, and and sex happened without the condoms and that kind of stuff. And I got up the, the morning. This was the 26th of December. And I was like, shit, what happened last night? And um, I left it, no worries, no stress. And I waited again until after, after three months. because that was the time I was tested after three months. I got tested April, the third of April. And I got a positive result. And then when I got a result, the doctor was mad with me. He was like, for the last two years, I tested negative. What happened? And I was like, it's okay. And he couldn't understand why I was. I just said it was fine and okay. And I walked out of his office and I called my mentor and said, "Hey, just so you know, I tested positive for HIV." And he was like, hey, "Are you okay?" And I was like, "I'm fine." And it, you know, he was like, "You don't need to so I'd Come to the office. And we, you know, we get some counseling and talk." to this. And I was like, oh, "Ian," I said, "Ian, I'm okay." And it was like, are you sure, you know, you're in denial and all these pieces. And the support worker at the office called and said, I was like, guys, I am okay. You know, wow. and, and I was, yeah, and I went, you know, I stayed away from the office for the day because I couldn't, I was, it was, their engagement to provide me with support was overwhelming. Mm. And I could and I would try to say, I am okay with this stuff. I'm absolutely fine. And um, you know, I went to the office the next day, and they were there, you want to talk, and I was like, guys, believe you me, and 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 I went to my partner uh, at home, and I said to him, you know, I tested positive today for HIV. And he acted surprised. And still, I could have told him that I'm positive, right? And then he didn't even question me to say, are oh, you having an affair outside? So then, because if you were negative, and I then turned up being positive, something would have happened. <laughs> And I let it be. Uh, I wasn't mad with him or anything of such a sort. And I can't, and I couldn't have been mad with him because I have information. You know, as think you know, engagement, sexual intercourse, and engagement involves two people, two consenting adults. And I and I already know. And something happened, so I didn't fault him or blame him. And since that day until today, I've never cried about my HIV status. Like people, be, and I didn't get depressed or broken hearted about it. I used that because of the, how I contextualized it for myself was that, you know, things happen, life happens. I was working with people and seeing people dying from HIV. I you know, protected myself as best as I could. Something happened in December 20, uh, 2002. I can't blame anyone. I shouldn't blame anyone. Let me live. And so I chose to live. And I chose that then to be okay with my HIV status and to realize and to speak. And the fact that my partner then didn't tell me and couldn't tell me, I then chose to say, I'm going to tell everybody that I will ever sleep with that I'm HIV positive. And my mentor was like, are you sure? Because guys are going to look at you different. And I was like, I can't not do that because, you know, I want to be, I was in a situation where he didn't tell me I didn't blame him. Even though I knew he was, I'm not holding it against him. And um, and that was my point, turning point. I was like, you know, I'm going to do this for community. And if it means then I will be subject to be treated differently, I will never have a boyfriend again, that kind of stuff. I was like, it's fine. It's just just what it is. But I cannot carry that burden of not being true to myself. And so that's what, for me, it uh, caused me to be in the work I'm in, to do the work in the way that I do it today. And that is, I bring myself, I bring my, my lived experience, my journey, my story, because it was like, it's a struggle for many people, right, to, 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 to even accept or start to accept HIV positive diagnosis, that kind of stuff. You know, it's bothered, you know it's, it didn't bother me. It's, I was fortunate at that time to get some support from community members. Because that time you had to pay for your prescription, your medication, that kind of stuff, and this was a lot of money. And a lot of people didn't go on medication because they couldn't afford medication. Mm. And I was blessed to have a sponsor who paid for my medic, and that even caused me to be more, more I mean, more be at peace, and want to call also to be. Supportive to others because then I, I, can understand, I can only then start to imagine what they're going through, not being able to do the take their medication. I was able to do my viral load tests whenever I want to do it. That time we had to send, you know, pull your blood and it sent to Miami and it takes you two to two months to get back the results. And you know, I was like, I was able to do that, right? Because someone cared for me to provide that support for me and. And that made me happy and that made me want to do that for others, right? Because, yeah, and, and it's, it's just, that's just all how I do my work because I know it was, I, I don't have all the experiences everybody have, but I think the similarities and a common thread of being, being, being treated differently being othered and, um, you know, coming into your own is, is challenging for a lot of people. And I want to be able to, to support people where they're at, uh, until they can get to the place where they can, they're emboldened enough to be able to be out and uh, to be their authentic self.
1: So this is amazing. I'm I'm so thrilled that we're learning from you today. So I'm I'm assuming that when I come in my time machine, and you've taken me to Jamaica, we're going to jassel in Kingston, and then maybe we'll visit the other offices and. And Ochoa oh, and Montego Bay.
2: Montego Bay, <laughs> yeah. such
1: a beautiful place that I've been missing because of COVID. Um, every time I, you know, I've been working in Jamaica for a little while, and every single time I fly in, I'm like, "Is this the most beautiful place in the world?" Because it's just incredible. So it is. I and I'm just really happy that you you tell a story of acceptance of yourself and by others. I think sometimes we here in the media, um, mainly negative portrayals of of how people are treated in in various places. So, you know, I'm glad that our listeners are, are able to also hear this element of experience. My first stigma question I have for you, Gareth, is why does stigma matter? I'm talking stigma that you mentioned around sexual orientation and gender identity, around HIV. Why does it still matter? Why should we be caring about stigma, of all things?
2: Sometimes we want to say it's like a lack of knowledge on the part, you know, on the part of um, um, society, but I also think there's a lot of information out there. I think people remain afraid and continue to be afraid. I don't—and this piece around, you know, the we. <laughs> we have not necessarily been socialized. Uh, I, and this is my theory, is that there are a lot of things that we have to be taught to do, right? And culture, we haven't been culturally, and I think innately we are selfish, right? And I always say to folks when I was a talk, you know, talk about, um, you know, why do we not just do the right thing? And I was like, doing the right thing is never, oh, it's not oftentimes the easiest because sometimes we learn to do that. And I always use a reference with a child is that, we believe that we're naturally kind, but we aren't. We're <laughs> taught kindness. When I look on a kid, when a child, it was like, if you have two, 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 two kids and two children at home, is that as a parent, you are, you insist on sharing. You insist, come on, share that with your brother. You had it already. So it was like, it's not something. You know, we're born into our self-preservation. And so there's this natural reaction to say, this is mine, I'm holding it dear to me. Hmm.
0: But then
2: our period, you then been taught to say it's okay also to give a piece of you to others, right? Be open to to others. Sharing also helps you to grow and to be better. Then you can see a smile on a person's face because you did something kind to them or for them. And so that bring a smile to your face. Mm-hmm. So then it, it is reciprocated. You're getting from it. So nothing is wrong in giving to others. But we are taught that. And with stigma, I think people you know tend to Try not to connect with persons who are HIV positive because they don't want to. be The assumption that they too are positive, and why would you deal with somebody who is who has AIDS? And why would you deal with somebody who is who is gay because homosexuality is wrong? And that's how they get HIV because that's how we've been socialized. That's how we've been cultured, and that happens for some folks. Um, but I also think, also on the other hand, that people just we live in a world where people not. A lot, not a lot of us are kind mm. uh, and have compassion and is able to deal and engage with others grace uh, with grace and with good grace mm. and stigma is a killer right and a lot of people that uh, suffer in silence because if they tell their parents or to come out to community that they're going to be other they will some in some places still people lose their jobs and they go into depression and they they have no support and it's it's challenging because you know and I say that I didn't tell my I didn't tell my mother that I'm HIV positive until until I even moved to Canada. I think I think about um two 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 and a half years ago. And it's not because I didn't I was afraid to tell her or ashamed to tell her, is the fact that also it was like, Why do I need to tell her? I asked my girlfriend. I was like, There's not a need, I'm not because she would she understand because she's going to be worried medication doo-doo-doo, doo-doo-doo, doo-doo, doo-doo, and the list goes on and I was I don't want to worry my mother now and we didn't live together uh, you know she lived in rural Jamaica I lived in, in in the city there was no need it was like I'm fine I'm I'm healthy I'm good and I will have a conversation with her as she learned about HIV she knew, she knew that I work in HIV she knew everything about me she know I'm gay and the list goes on and on but she, and I had a very close friend who died from from uh, HIV-related complications. One of my best friend back then, and she knew all of those pieces, but she never talked to me about it because you know she kind of uh, don't want to rock the boat because I've been uh, I'm an independent kid from the age of fifteen when I moved away from home and leave them. So I've been on my own for, for the most part of my life and when i I was do I did an article um a and and with Katie, and I was going to be on a the, the my picture was going to be on the front page of the magazine mm-hmm. and I was like, "Okay, good stuff. So I called her one day and I said, "Listen, mother." I said, by now you would have figured for yourself that I have HIV positive and she was like, oh <laughs> i I suspect that I cannot think that." I was like, okay, so but you know that I'm, you know, that's, uh, I'm HIV positive, and uh, yeah, and oh, and you're gonna see this, this magazine will be out in circulation. People will see it and that kind of stuff, and people are gonna say things to you. And I was all I do with my family. Mm-hmm. I try to protect them, right? Mm-hmm. As a given that I live so far away from home, it was safe for her because she then gonna have to unpack the fact that she had a gay son who's HIV positive. Have to deal with that. She already deal with the fact that I'm a gay guy. I didn't want her to feel the compound that for her, she's a Christian woman and her church people and her tr- church treated her differently already because now she has a gay son and she supported her gay son. So to add HIV to that, I was like, man, that's too much for her to carry. So now that she's in Canada, she's in a safer space, she, you know, she's, her environment is different. Now she can, I can then share this with her. And that, and that is a piece in terms of disclosure. Like here we're talking, we know we're talking about stigma, but you know it ties into the piece in terms when you disclose, and you disclose because you want to break stigma, you want to break that silence, and sometimes you just can't. You have to calculate when best to do that mm. for yourself. And when I told her, it's just what I feared, telling her back home. She called for two weeks. Are you taking a <laughs> medication? Are you going to the doctor? What the doctor said? If I cough on the phone, I should call and say I'm having a headache. Is it do with the headache injury? I did, and I was like, oh, I said, lady, this is why I didn't say this to you for almost 15 years. I get it. You're a mother, and you respond, and I appreciate it. And like she went. Like, she went
1: right into mom mode, right?
2: Mom mode. I was like, I am, <laughs> and she want to come. At the, she want to come and see me. And she want to come to the house. Are you okay? Are you sure? And I was like, <laughs> mother, I've gone fifteen years, and, and and I've been good, and it will continue to be good. And it's an opportunity to share and talk to her about it, and live with HIV, what that means, and so forth. And it felt good, and it was great, you know. And um, yeah, but for her, it was the instinct to know to take care of her child, right? And not a lot, not many of us, and too many of us don't have, don't do not have that, and that is the sad part of it, right? That parents turn against their children when they find out that they're HIV positive, but and also gay it's a hard road uh for a lot of people to be it's a terrible crossroad to be at because then where do you turn and so you know the the internalized stigma lives there because you feel guilty you feel bad you end up feeling awful uh you don't feel that you you're worthy you can't love you can't engage and that nobody will ever understand or get you. And we find you know, people end up in depression, and people end up you know, finding different, ma- different ways to cope with stigma, and means and ways that uh, negatively impact their lives, right? But the society itself is built in a way that you know, people, you know, HIV, I don't understand why people don't get it, and understand that we, li- pe- when we live meaningful lives, we contribute. And mm-hmm. sometimes the folks who walk by you, the people who come into your house, you hang out together with your friends and, you know and family members are positive and you don't know, and because they don't think you know it's a, and it is sad that we can't say. It's, sad, I can't, it, just, it's just awful It's yeah. an awful place to be. So you know for me, part of my job and part of how I live and choose to live is to be that voice for those who at this point can't be, right. And, and I love my, my brothers and sisters who are struggling. And my, um, I'm here to just to support them. You know, We can't be forced outside the box because stigma lot other people kills. Stigma puts you in spaces that, man, you become alone. The people who you Ooh. thought were there in your corner just suddenly disappear. <sighs> and it is, I don't go back to that. I'm here I live, you know, living here in Canada for the last 12, 12 um, 13 years. Is I see I see that daily. I see that still happening within the, within our communities. Uh, you know that was going to
1: be my next question oh, to oh. you. <laughs> <laughs> You're amazing. I I just want to recap what you just said for the listeners. You said stigma matters because it impacts people ability to connect with other people. People can feel lonely, people can feel isolated. It also impacts relationships. So feeling worried that stigma can actually impact your family members. They might be stigmatized, they might be ostracized. And um, yeah, I feel like we're so lucky to be learning from you today. My next question, I think you were just about to go in there. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna let you know. Um, is what does it look like obviously uh, an anonymous version but you you work up you know a downtown Toronto at an aid service organization I'm imagining that you you see people experiencing stigma even today racism from LGBT stigma from HIV stigma from maybe drug use stigma all different kinds of stigma Um, can you kind of let the let the listener into maybe a, a daily life experience, what, maybe what stigma, how stigma shows up in someone's yeah,
2: day. I know, <laughs> you know, what's, you know, interesting, interesting. And, and, um, and I started myself and then I moved into my, the, um, the people who I work, a bit about you know, the work and people who I work with. So when I, when I leave leaving Jamaica and I left Jamaica because of um, uh, homophobic violence, and that kind of stuff. And you came up, I was like, okay, cool, good, wonderful. So me, when I got to this country, I was like, now, mm, start to calculate who do I trust and who do you trust? Because now this is not my immediate community. And the reality mm-hmm. that stigma is, is real and it force people, their backs against the wall. You feel sometimes helpless. And I was like, I spent the first I went and I lived with um, someone, um, uh, someone, you know, who I was living. I was like, mm, should I say, can I say? And the person who, you know, provided supported me was a beautiful person, wonderful soul. Uh, uh, um, you know, she, she was very supportive and would do anything for me, anything. Just name it, she would do it. And I was like, can I tell her this? Should I tell her
1: this? About, about HIV? About, or about my HIV yeah, stuff.
2: Okay. And she was like, do you need a you know, doctor? I was like, what do I say? <laughs> you, know, you know, it's because, and, and for a moment, I stood, um, and, and this was like a couple of months, I, and I was like, wow, for the first time in a while, I don't have to say, how do I break this silence? Mm. because now I'm in a new space and I don't know the people around me and I don't know how I'm going to be treated. What if this person is now afraid to live and to share a bathroom with someone who is HIV positive? I've lived that. I've seen that in Jamaica. And and all of these things and there are no road racing through my head, um, that kind of stuff. And, you know, I didn't live there for very long and not that there was a problem living uh, with her. uh, You know, and I said I needed a doctor, and I was directed to that, but I didn't say much, right? And then, you know, after, again, you know, six months in, you know, you say, okay, cool, we get adjusted. And I realized this started to find a boyfriend, that kind of stuff, and so on. And then I was like, but uh, you know, I have to tell people. I have to, because this is how I live. And I tell you, I kid you not, it didn't work well for me. The people were like, oh, no, you have HIV, oh, no. No, nobody wants to talk to that guy who has HIV. And then, because I would wow. have said it to one person on one of these gay chat sites, um, you know, it's um, it becomes a thread that happens behind my back. And then everybody now with a lot of people in a gay community are now saying, "Oh, he has AIDS." And this is the sad part of it, and it's the, 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 and the sad and the most challenging part of it is that this was my black brothers and sisters doing this, right? And then when I go back again in the piece that to be sometimes. For, and my work helped inform this, right? When people, because of their internal struggles and where they're at, unfortunately, sometimes they have to, to do that as their own mechanism to, to safeguard their own status, mm. right? And so I, I kind of see that happening, and I would pass on the street and people say, oh, he's, uh, he has AIDS. Um, here in Toronto, right? Yeah. People, and, and I went through that for, for quite a while. For um, months, I and mean, I would say years, and then a guy, I met a guy, and so and my philosophy is always I'm gonna tell people. And then I migrated here with my partner at that point in time, and because he heard, you know, the pressure was real now because you know I kind of been talking and meeting people on that kind of and that and and that and so forth, and people were like, oh no, 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 and he felt pressure that he had to walk away from this relationship because he's labeled now as having HIV. And that relationship ended and then I met another guy and that kind of stuff. I'm so sorry that you had to deal with this. Yeah, we were beautiful together. It was wonderful and that kind of stuff. And I told him I was a Harry he was fine, but then his friends keep pouncing on him and and that other relationship ended again after nine months. And I was like, man, no, should I not tell people? Because this ain't working out well. (laughs) But I was like, I'm gonna have to tell people. I'm gonna have to say it to folks, you know, and, and that has been my mantra. I disclose. I'm telling you. You meet, I meet you. I'm telling you straight up front. And one day it was one an interesting turning point with one of the guys I dated. I was walking down on Church Street, and he was hanging up with one, his his friends. You know, because you know, you know you're allowed to do your stuff, and he was hanging out. And they turned to him and said, turned to him and said, "Hey, you know, you know, he has AIDS," and he turned to them and said. Then what would be the problem? And was like, yeah, but you know, who would want to sleep with it? And he turned to me and said, You know that, did you know that I know that he has HIV? And did you know that I to- he told me before we even mm-hmm. do anything? I said we met online and the first thing he said, just so you know. I'm HIV positive, and, turned, and they were embarrassed now. guy go, and so I, the guy then was saying, oh, at a point we need to stop this. You know, at a point we need to stop. If someone, you know something about someone, then why do we, you know, and it's you know, HIV related, it's stigmatizing a person, why do we do it? And sometimes we don't, you don't know the, you know the person's experience because it was, and he said, you no, know, Garrett tells everyone that he was gonna to go to bed with to say, I'm HIV positive and clearing that piece and then I got married right congratulations and I, Oh, I, up I, I got a divorce we got divorced oh. after four <laughs> congratulations years congratulations <laughs> on that
1: too I, I like congr- <laughs> you know congratulations no, all, on all
2: of the i want to tell her why I take my congratulations on the end piece so, and, I mean, and my husband then for four years again he knew from the beginning and it, people turned and it was like you know he lived in his own world and his own bubble he didn't take them on uh, we ended not for HIV. This was the first relationship, that ended not because I was HIV positive. And um, you know, we had we we grew apart and that kind of do stuff. Do you mean
1: there's other things in your life? There's other, <laughs> there's something else.
2: No, I'm, I, 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 I I work too hard. I get a lot of that, uh, complaints about working too hard and yeah, and again, do you know, some my personality is not one that is oftentimes easily understood and can easily be managed. That kind of stuff. Whatever, anyway, you know, and and, and that's was the first relationship that didn't end. Because of my HIV status, right, and um, and you know he, my husband then, former uh, husband, was he was negative. He remained negative until today's date. And even though his friends were like, you shouldn't do this, go get a test, and I was like, and we do what we had to do, how we want to do it, and chose to do that kind of stuff, and and that was fine. And you know, we ended up, and uh, we got a divorce. Uh, we got divorced in 2000 and married in 2010. divorced, uh, ended in 2014, divorced in 2016, that kind of stuff. Man, you know, and I was, like, I, said before, I was like, that was a guy who was negative, and I was positive, and we coexist, we live together with a good sexual relationship, and it remains as it is. Stigma, we, we, Stigma robs people of that opportunity. To take care of each other. So it, it forced people into a box to lie, right? And not to be true to themselves and to, true, to be true to you. And, and so it was like, because we can't, he's, he was being extremely supportive. He was an advocate. He was there. He stand tall with me and he was bold with me. He got a lot of pressure because he was this guy who is HIV positive. But then we try to we support each other because there is, once we have, you know, you, you find that you can the persons who, when you your disclosure and people can support you, you have to find the right folks. You have to find, mm-hmm. know why am I disclosing to you, comment I need to know, you know. You know it is important to me as so I'll be able to disclose, to be able to support me. And that helps to destigmatize stuff for, for for in that kind of space because we have each other.
1: That's my last question.
2: Uh, okay.
1: You are amazing. I feel like you're giving me these beautiful segues. My last question, and you, I think you, you've told us the answer. How can we all be part of the solution to challenging stigma? And you mentioned your friend saying, yeah, I know he's HIV positive. Why are you talking about him like this? He's very open and honest. And you're saying we need to care and support each other. What else are you... Because I was feeling like you're about to give us <laughs> your answer what we uh, should uh, do.
2: Yeah, I think, yeah, we, what, we, I think you know, it's what we do you know, is that we, we lift people up. You know, what I, think, I don't think we lift each other up. We lift people up because we're lifting a person up. Eliminate their gender identity, sexual orientation, everything. Strip them of all of that and see the humanity. You know, because when we see all humanity and see the humanity in another person is the most beautiful thing we can experience because we experience this. we're experiencing their soul. I'm engaging with, I'm connecting with another being and that brings brings such warmth to the heart. It, it's soothing, it's, uh, and it's just been my experience. It is just the, it's the easiest thing, and it's also the easiest thing to do, see beyond everything else. Mm-hmm. Because guess what happened? We all have our struggles, we all have our isms, we all have it. And, you know, and right today, the focus is on HIV and that kind of stuff and being gay and that. But we all, all of us, every single one of us have been othered in our life. And if we sit for a moment and start to realize and to acknowledge how I was feeling when I was othered, mm. why would I do that to somebody else? Exactly. And if we start to do that, to realize, listen, <laughs> Today, it's, you know, it's him. They come for him today because it's HIV. And what happens when they come for me, right? And might, yeah. you know, it is that we just have to find that within us. And for those, you know, for those who have an HIV-positive friend, um, you know, and uh, you know someone who's struggling with HIV, be present with them. It's As not asking you to baby people and to to be overly sympathetic we don't need sympathizing we don't need that what Mm -hmm. we need is empowerment and upliftment that we are able to celebrate life together yeah and it's it's, you know it's other thing you know it is simple and for those of us who are out and who are okay with our status let's continue to be the voice for the others. let's -hmm. continue to be the voice of our brothers and let's let's not think that they have to come out Mm -hmm. they're not there yet because mm-hmm. we came out and we, we embraced our HIV status because we were on a journey, on a pathway. And it, it just didn't happen overnight, right? Yeah. And we, we, we went on a journey, and some of us, our journeys take us, oh man, to so many crosses and, and turns and ups and downs. And there's so many boulders on some people's pathway. Then yeah. my story, I sharing my story will help to push that, ease that off the pathway. Mm-hmm. And allow that person to continue. That's you know, and, and we have to do that. I don't think that we do, you know, we just do. We just need to do more of this. And I think, when, you know, and from a someone from, I worked with some guys, uh, a few folks here from you know from the Caribbean. And one of the things that that I think we don't do enough here, in even in in, in Canada, is that we don't talk about HIV that much anymore.
1: It's true.
2: But we have medication. We have this, and we, mm-hmm. but in the absence of making HIV, creating that awareness, is that stigma prevails. Yeah. And some of the guys said to me, the, you know, the experience was like, they come here, we have, you know, in Jamaica, and the Caribbean, we talk, you know, HIV, these big campaigns, and it's, it is a thing. Yeah. Here in Canada, it's not a thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And
2: it is a thing. Remember, we have a, yeah. <laughs> a transient, you know, it, it's a, a lot of immigrants coming in, it, people are coming in, and becoming a part of the fabric of this society. And we have to then treat them in that way that, you know, they're integrating. And they're not seeing anything happening HIV-related on the scene. So then I was like, what's happening? You know, people don't know how to navigate this space in the absence of this. You know, you know it's, yeah. there's no big, we use the big billboards and campaigns and yeah. TV and all these kinds of stuff. It's not, true. Not, That's not happening here because we made the assumption that we, got, we have this path and we don't because yeah. people continue to suffer in silence because of because of stigma right and that's something that we have to fund, we have to address in a meaningful way so then you know we people can be and i yeah. you know, think it's and we can the fight against hiv is not about getting it's not a singular fight around getting people tested knowing their status and people going to medication it's also the same time tackling stigma in a real way so people can engage in meaningful of course sex of course yes
1: yes and, yes. A lot
2: of, and a lot of the piece with that too you know i always say is that as people in my experience that people fear what they know and they're willing to engage in the unknown and i've seen it ever so often that when you t- when when i say to someone that i'm hiv positive i'll, I'll give you an example one of the guys i dated his friends pressured him into walking away, and he did. He was with me for. I'm sorry. Yeah, he was with me for about we were together for over a year. Wow. I thought we had something beautiful, and he could. He came to me and said, God, "I can't take this no more." I said, "What you can't take no more?" He said, "This HIV thing and people everywhere I go, people looking at me and people saying things about me and that I must mm-hmm. have AIDS and that kind of stuff." And I said, "And I said, I honest, trust me, I felt his pain, and I said, okay." I said, okay, it's fine, it's fine, I get it. He walked away. We remained friends. A year and a half after, he called me. And I said, what happened? He said, I would need your help. And I said, if you laugh at me today, I would understand. And I said, what happened? He said, I tested positive for HIV. And I said, what You know, with my sarcastical and hypocritical ways sometimes, I said, but how <laughs> i am curious <laughs> you know and you know we had our moment and pull and pull because we're going to go through that kind of piece i'm a human being of course i'm not perfect <laughs> and i said really like are you kidding me and i provided with my doc telling him you know getting on to hook up with my doctor that kind of thing and so forth and getting all set up and i said we had this conversation i'm always at it i said you knew i was positive we live together we do everything we want to, to, to choose to do and you remained negative when you walked out of this relationship, and you knew that. And you did. You did. The guy told you he was positive. He said no. I said he lied. He would have said. It. I was like because he didn't. He didn't. He wasn't comfortable enough to tell you. He didn't trust. Didn't, he didn't, I don't think he was able to trust you enough to tell you. Or oh, it's just that he was just afraid. He was just afraid. Just as on my experience that you would walk away. I, and yeah. I said, I just, I, but I just don't know what his reasons are, were. Yeah. But I'll tell you is that you went off into a situation that you didn't know. And mm-hmm. this is what happened. And this is what stigma does to us sometimes. We end up finding ourselves yeah. or against the wall and we're in a quadrant that sometimes that like, we just don't know where to turn or how to get, get outside of that kind of disease.
1: It's so, it's such a powerful story, Gareth. I, you he was shared with the listeners that we need to see one another's common humanity and we also need to educate ourselves about HIV and talk about HIV and decrease the fear. And what, you know, almost every podcast guest has talked about the importance of recognizing our shared humanity. And what I find is so interesting I was asked this question, I was interviewed last week about, someone asked me the question, how does stigma hurt the stigmatizer? And I said, very similar to what you, you just said, I said, because it means that every person is not gonna be able to realize their full potential, and what a, what is the world missing? It's missing the relationships that never happen, right? That yes. you said, that relationship, you know, and of course, it, Everything is meant to be the way it is with relationships. But it's it's meaning that connections are being abbreviated between people or not made. It's it's really inhibiting us from knowing what the world would be like, filled with people who didn't have to deal with racism, who didn't have to deal with homophobia, transphobia, HIV stigma. Who could all of these people have been? If their potential yes. was never constrained. So right. mm-hmm. that hurts all of us, right? If that boulder yes. is there, that boulder is also in, in my way. In and, my way. And, and if that person stuck behind the boulder can't realize their full potential, maybe they could have been my best friend. Maybe they could have been my surgeon. Maybe they could have been my teacher, you know? If but I wouldn't COVID have known because.
2: they COVID.
1: They're, they're Not at all. Exactly. <laughs> they could be the COVID solution but they're behind this boulder. And I don't yeah. know where, where they could have accomplished in the world. So it's our shared humanity and in, in, in yes. caring for each other. I, you've, really, you've really moved me. I feel very hopeful and uh, also just more passionate about, about the work. I just wanna say thank you. You're, you're just amazing. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you is there before i go to some really fast because i know we're we're at the end of time really fast wild card question yeah. um are you ready for me to ask you a, a fast wild card question
2: yeah okay i hope i answer it quickly <laughs> but of course <laughs> okay. um,
1: what are you uh binging on netflix
2: <laughs> oh, oh oh christ nothing <laughs> <laughs> No, you see, and this is where I am the weirdest person to come across with these things. I was like, what I was like no, I, I say this, I'm a workaholic, which is not good, which is good too, because my work is, I've been sitting yeah. watching TV, and I'm on my phone, literally, with my other job that I do with Rainbow Railroad, I'm always on my cell phone, talking to someone in crisis so and, and so, and watch, I don't know, I don't, I'm not, those okay. cases I don't take on. <laughs> Okay. I, don't, I don't. I don't have a favorite movie. A favorite. I don't have nothing favorite. The only thing that is my favorite stuff, which is weird, two things: is traveling, oh, I love traveling. and doing this work. It was like man. Yeah.
1: Okay. So I'm trying to get another perspective on you, <laughs> other than work. So the next question <laughs> is, <laughs> trust me. Yes. Like, what is your karaoke song? If you're in a bar doing oh, this karaoke. This is my life.
2: This is my life. I surely I say. Nice. Yes. This <laughs> is. Oh my. Owl. Oh, that's my song. Yeah. This is my life. Okay. And I don't give a damn. All nice. That's the yes, yeah, that's a song I love. It. Yeah, and when I go and, I, and uh, go to because I was like, I tip the girls. I was like, do this song.
1: This <laughs> nice. See, you're doing the wild cards really fast. The last wild card, the last question before you right. go on the day. What is a word of advice or wisdom you'd like to share with the listeners? Could be A quotation. I think um, yeah.
2: one word. You know, it's gratitude. We should live our lives with gratitude. Um, yeah, and if we're able to to do that on a daily basis, we realize that we will be gracious towards each other, we'll be gracious and appreciative of life, and with gratitude, I think, grateful for what we have, and where we're at, and it then allows us to possible to check ourselves and our humanity, because then you know we're all in this together, and yeah, we should, and we are brothers keeper, and so gratitude embodies and embodies that, that you know, thats that is that. Let's be grateful for everything around us, including for the people who are different because they, are, they help to make us better and help to make us who we are. And they are part of our identity and a part of our existence, so yeah.
1: Thank you so much. I actually do a gratitude practice every night reflecting on yes. three things that happen mm-hmm. that I'm grateful for, even if it's... <laughs>
0: The
2: sun came out today, yes. or you know? Yes. Good thing. Oh, that, no, that's a good thing. It's, all. No, trust me, it is, Carmen. It, it is, you realize when I do that, and I, I do that every day, and when something is going wrong, even at work, I said, okay, let me find the good in this, because they have to be good. You know, it can't be absolute. There's no, there's no absolute bad. No, it has to be good. Yeah. and if you know and, 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 and you know i don't know where we ended and the piece i was like it's find how if this situation is is going not going so well how did i contribute to this what's you know what's my responsibility in this where is my contribution because i have contributed
0: deep, and deep. So, yeah and so the fact that
2: i have contributed be grateful of that situation be grateful of the learning be appreciative yeah. of that yeah all the gratitude stuff is was like allows you to grow because you can you don't take it for granted you just don't take anything for granted you take uh, it yeah
1: thank you so much for joining us gareth i feel so grateful and i just can't wait to meet you in person you're so
2: amazing we do that on on monday Uh, social distancing uh, (laughs) thank you and have yourself a superb day
0: Thank you for listening to Everybody Hates Me. Let's talk about stigma, a podcast hosted by Dr. Carmen Logie. Join us next week for more inspiring and motivating conversations with stigma leaders from around the world.